it needs to be tangible for a lot of people, right? A lot of times we want to know the outcome before we start the practice. But sometimes we have to start the practice before we know what's going to happen. And I think probably in for many Christians, they hesitate to create practices in their life because they don't want to become legalistic and unemotional. But I've actually found for myself the opposite. Like It's not like I have to do it. But now that I have this in my life, it's a part of my day, right? And yeah. we're working towards practicing Sabbath every single Saturday, and we want to get in that direction. Welcome everyone to the Lifestyle Engineer Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chenard, and today I have Phil Chan, a Christian author out of, actually I didn't even ask where you're located, Phil, I'm in, in California. Pasadena. Okay, Pasadena. We were just chatting about where I'm from. And trying to explain where small town cameras, Alberta and Canada, not many people know where that is. That's cool. Yeah. And that's there. And that's, yes. that's the most important <laughs> that's, thing. That's from here. Yeah, absolutely. Really excited to chat today. And <clears throat> we were just talking a little, I was starting to get into the questions or into topics. And then Phil suggested, maybe let's just start recording because this is exciting. I was mentioning, I was holding the book here, your new book, Rhythms of Resilience. Yeah, I practices to thrive in chaos, and I like the branding colors, and I also like the premise. I'm just starting it, but uh, before someone even reads it, like, what's the one thing you're hoping someone can take away from it? I know that's a really hard thing to say, <clears throat> or but is there one thing that kind of bridges everything together? There's one thing, you know. It's actually <clears throat> the story is recent, actually, in terms of one thing. Um, my wife re read this book for the first time two weeks ago, you know, mm. <laughs> as, as, as strange as it sounds, it's been like a two year process, you know, right. And she's been like eating it up, you know, not just because I'm her husband, because like the words have been really ministering to her, you know? <clears throat> and I think the one thing that really touched me and I'll leave it at that is it really helps people reconnect with God and thrive in their spirituality in the crazy world we live in. You know, that was like, as a husband, I was like, I did my job, you know, because right. she was like, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to do these practices because I need this, you know, and she was actually receiving, hearing from God. This, I heard this from another person as well. So there's, that's the one takeaway I get, you know, the one success. I'm, I'm, I'm a happy man, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of it's really hard, I think, in chaos to make sense of the world, let yeah. alone see God. And I feel like when believers and people are rooted in their relationship, in their faith, I think that's one of the pillars in, 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 your, in your work is our faith and our spirituality. If we're rooted, then everything flows from that. You know, I think in yeah. business, there's this concept of dominoes, you know, find the first domino. People are focused on the 10th domino or the 15th. You know, if you can find the first one, everything else falls pretty good, you know, really easily. For me, the first domino is, is, is my relationship with God, you know. And if I can secure that and I can grow that, especially when things are crazy in my personal life and crazy in the world, then I can continue to be uh, resilient and thrive in the world. You know, so that's the joy and that's the one takeaway I want people to have. Yeah, and I, I know we're gonna have a great conversation today because that's actually what I coach people on is what I call the anchor method, right? What's the yeah. one thing you can attach yourself to in pursuits? Um, that first domino, not just the last thing that you want to accomplish. And then when we talk about it's, it's, we're talking about business, right? Like there's, there's a different part of business. Like I'm rooted 
in who I am in my business. I want it to be a kingdom builder. Mm. Um, but our gym is to help people become holistically healthy and fit through coaching community or through coaching culture and community, right? That's our purpose. We want to change lives that way. Yeah. And then my personal priorities is my faith first, my family, then my professional life, then my fitness. Um, when you talk about thriving, like th- th- so thriving spiritually, because I know that word can be tossed around a lot and a lot of people would hear it outside the context of spiritual and think thriving is just lots of things. And we had the conversation uh, kind of on Instagram about this and saying, I just recently got a lot of followers on Instagram and talking about how do I feel about that? So what is thriving in the sense of spiritual aside from worldly views? That's a great point. You know, I think it's really helpful to demarcate to your point, thriving in our world's context, you know, thriving often just looks like the pursuit of happiness, you know, me living my best life. And, you know, in our faith, that's just not everything that God intends for us, you know, where the pursuit of self-satisfaction isn't the goal, you know, thriving is fruitfulness and faithfulness as God designed, you know, um, to me that it's connectedness to God and in living out of that connection and the fruit that comes from it. I feel like as believers, we're all called to bear fruit. That's what Jesus promised that you would go and bear fruit, much fruit. To me, that's right. thriving. A, tr- a, a healthy tree is one that if you look outside is one that bears fruit An unhealthy tree doesn't have anything, you know, but the fruit of my life, I want when people to eat it, <clears throat> I don't want them to say, wow, Phil is awesome. The fruit of my life, Thriving for me is when people eat the fruit of my life, they, they say, well, God is amazing and I want more of him. To me, that is the definition of thriving, where, mm-hmm. where our fruitfulness is in our life in such a way where people experience in some shape or form what God intended for them, you know, and that's <clears throat> what I think kind of thriving means. Yeah, I like that, like a being a conduit, um, an example of Christ's love and I think that can be difficult too, and especially when we're talking about Christians who have a lot of, and that's what I've been wrestling with my in my head, and that's the question you asked me is, how do I feel about these followers? How do I feel about gaining this, all these eyes on me? How, what's your perspective on that? How does someone continue to draw the attention back to the maker but also knowing that we have to put our own work in, right? We have to be diligent stewards of everything we've been given. And I don't know if that's really a question, but maybe you can find a question there somewhere. No, it's actually, you're, you're probably just starting the, the book, but that's, well, I think what you're going through, Matt, is precisely one of the chapters I talk about, which is the chapter on identity meditation, mm-hmm. uh, the practice of it. You know, to me, like, I'm not, I don't know if you're into Enneagrams, but I'm like a Enneagram three, whatever, basically like yep. I'm tra- driven primarily by success and significance, you know, yep. and the, the danger people like me are very driven, you know, and goal oriented, which is great. We rule the world. We do great things, but the danger in that is that we're, we're chasing, we can ride the roller coaster up and down of, you know, the praises of people, you know, yep. and I think the challenge is 
living authentically before God. You know, I think influence is such a commodity in the last 10 years, I would say, with the with social media. And I think it really exploded with with COVID when people feel a sense of powerlessness. You know, people are stuck at home or whatever, hate the government, hate whatever. And so influence is a way for people to feel powerful, you know, and influence as you can feel can be very dangerous, you know, because Mm -hmm. if I was honest, any little influence, even as something like someone leaving a really nice comment or someone saying something nice to me in person, influence can be like a, like a, like a, like a fish hook that pulls at my, tugs at my heart. And there's a hook there of lack of significance or lack of affirmation or lack of love. It can, I can, it can pull me in all these directions, you know, where I, I'm just going to, yeah, they like what I did. So I'm just going to keep doing it. And right. that pulling, if we're, if I was honest with myself, can lead me actually away from God, you know, because to chase influence often leads us down a path of pursuing this hole in my heart that actually no influence can actually fulfill, you know? Um, and so I think influence and popularity and virality is an interesting aspect of the book on chaos, because I feel like it's one of those, well, it's one of the few chaoses that we, we cause ourselves, you know, most other chaoses, whether it's like marriage, par- family, parenting, world tragedies, like they're like, external things that happen apart from us. But like, I feel like influence popularity is one of the things that we actually chase and choose ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's a very, it can be a very dangerous thing, you know, for sure. Especially if you're pursuing it at the sacrifice. Well, if you don't know who you are in Christ, right? Yeah. If you're not rooted in your identity in Christ and you pursue it at the sacrifice of that. And that's why I was having a really good conversation with my wife, Jaleesa, who is an Enneagram 3 as well. <laughs> so I do understand Enneagram 3s, and I am an Enneagram 7. Okay. Um, and I was talking with her, because I've been posting on my social media for three years consistently. And it's only until this last year or this last week that something went viral. Right? But I was talking to it about her. Is I didn't sacrifice who I was to do that. Right? I don't. I don't feel the need to do anything different than I've already been doing, right? I don't need to change who I am as a person. And I've already had some people reaching out to collab, collaborate with me that don't, it doesn't align with who I am as a person. And I don't want to get pulled that fish hook, pulling me yeah, in a different yeah. direction for more prestige or more money, whatever else it might be. So I like how you said that. And I think continuing to surround if you do have a platform like this, or you do have a platform where a lot of eyes are watching you, you need to make sure to surround yourself with people who can keep you focused and orientated in the right direction and constantly be in prayer and knowing who your true significance comes from. Correct. Yeah. And I honestly think this is where these practices are really important in a sense where they require quite a bit of gut-wrenching honesty, which is very lacking in our culture today. You know, if I didn't have Jesus, I'm going to be honest with you, Matt, I would love to be famous and and rich and powerful, you know, because that's like what my heart desires, you know? But I think the, one of the stories that I love is in John five, I think where Jesus, um, he just finished a miracle and 
people are uh, it says that people really wanted to make him king specifically you know right and you know what he did he he ran away mm-hmm. you know he like actually went away from the crowd and went to a mountain you know like to me like that's such a powerful anti movement in our culture like jesus went viral and he shut it down you know because in virality <clears throat> i think our eyes are on the influence but jesus i feel like was set an example of looking straight into his own heart you know because with outside of things it can obscure what the actual motivation and intention of my own heart are you know and right. and i feel like that's a, such a nice anti pattern that jesus demonstrated that i'm i need to live by i don't have virality per se but every little little thing you know must to me must be judged and assessed and be honest with my own heart you know lest like you know we said we can easily hook ourselves in the wrong way and i really don't want to be hooked the wrong way i want to be rooted mm-hmm. you know yeah i totally understand that so in saying that do you think someone can have influence and vir- virality and still be rooted and consistent yeah. as a person in christ yes absolutely but and how how and i know it's not like a step-by-step process i'm sure you dig into this in the book how does that look what does that look like in practice yeah, that's really hard, you know. Um, to me, I feel like the people that have succeeded, that from observation, there's tons of people, I'm sure you have observed that have failed, you know, in in the public eye. You know, I've been a Christian long enough to see enough pastors, musicians, famous Christians, authors really just go down the wrong path, you know, even though they were famous, they were influential, you know. I feel like the one thing that sets I could be wrong, but the one thing I find that has set people apart that can handle influence are the people that have a ruthless attention to their inner life and the people that don't. You know, right. that's I think that's really the I don't say that too much in this in this book, but to me like that's why most of the book is about ruthlessly paying attention to my inner life, you know. Yeah. Because I can uh, Jeremiah 17 is like one of my favorite passages, which is foolishness to the world. It says, the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? Mm-hmm. People think like, my desires are good. My inner life is great. But the Bible says, no, like you don't even understand your own heart, you know? And I feel that people who have that wisdom realize that in a moment, they can make a, a bad decision. They can talk to someone from the opposite sex and be in a really bad situation. They could start lying. They can start loving money, loving power. In a yep. moment's instance, the worst thing that happens is they become deceived. They dece- We deceive ourselves, you know? So I, I find that the one delineation between people that can handle influence and people that can't are the people that can have a ruthless attention to their inner life yeah i really like that phil and it's kind of a a story in that for me is like i've always wanted to create things i like creating things i like collaborating with people i like trying to add value as best i can and i've always wanted to build something or things and i've always prayed that i would know who i am with or without and that 
I wouldn't have anything <laughs> until I knew this, right? I knew this yeah. truth. And it's not like I'm going to know this and then it's all going to be fine. This is still going to be a struggle back and forth. But through the past two years, as an example, like we almost lost everything, right? Really? We own a, we, we own a brick and mortar gym. Um, we had to go into hundreds and thousands of dollars in debt. We lost 50% of our members. This is during pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So we couldn't oh, use our gym for seven months out of two years. Like the doors are closed, lost right. multiple staff. And we we're on track to be a really successful gym. And that was really hard for me. But in that, I started to realize, hey, if I truly believe that I don't need this stuff and that God is in control, that doesn't mean God's in control of what I think he should be doing. It means God is in control of everything and he's, he's in control of it. And to truly live that out was so freeing for me. It doesn't mean I didn't struggle with it. It doesn't mean I didn't ask questions. He's like, I, I would really love the gym to be open. And I would really like not to go through this or go into more debt. Yeah. Um, so I feel like now this position I'm in to be able to impact people, I know what it's like to be a week away from saying, let's close the doors of the gym, right? And something we've built for 10 years. And that's a really freeing place to be in. And my wife and I got way closer, way more rooted and connected. And my wow. spiritual practices in the chaos became way more solidified and deeper for me, 100%. And I'm way more confident in my relationship and in professing that to people and saying, how'd you get through that? Well, my relationship with Christ. I mean, cold plunge helped me mentally sometimes, but yeah. that all tied together for me. Oh, wow. That's wild, man. I mean, I, I had talks with many talks with Eric uh, over here because he had to shut down too. Not as, I think LA was not as restrictive as Canada. You know, but no, we were pretty bad. Yeah. No comment. I'm not going to say nothing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we probably agree. Whatever you're going to say. I'm not saying nothing. Yeah. And <laughs> um, I think that's, yeah, go ahead. It's tough. But, you know, I feel like, what I think was beautiful about your story is when we are in situations where we lose it all or we see everything is lost, kind of like that's what the Bible calls dross. It's just stuff that can be burned, you know? Yep. And it's like, if that's burned, what's left? And for some people, they realize like there's nothing left and that's frightening. And then, but for yep. you, you realize, whoa, Jesus was there the whole time. And that's so freeing, clarifying, you know? And But without that under foundation of, of Jesus being at, at the very bottom foundation, um, I can see life being very terrifying, you know? Yeah, and especially if you believe <clears throat> security and freedom and significance can be found in success or money or prestige or influence, Man, that's a really shaky ground to be on because that can change like this. Like, let's say I do something stupid tomorrow and I post it like that. It could be all gone, right? Um, yeah. And if you're not doing that inner work, you're not aware of your inner knowing that your heart can deceive you and you're not constantly going to Christ and, and God and praying about it. I think it would be better to have everything taken away 
than to get taken down that road. And, and it's a hard thing. Yeah. It's a hard thing to say. And I think before I was tentative to even say that, I knew it in my heart or in my mind. I, would, I knew it's true that it's better to have nothing and to have Christ and to have that relationship. But that's a scary thing. <clears throat> yeah. Because you can't touch and feel it, right? It's hard to explain as well. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I definitely didn't experience that. Because I don't own a business. I don't know what it's like. You know, the last time I experienced it was like when I first moved here to California. I moved here from Chicago. And like, I basically just like got up and moved. My whole family is non-Christian, you know? So it's like, mm. I remember that was a, as crazy as that sounded. That was also the sweetest time of my life. I was like broke, you know, I had like no money, you know, but I don't know if you experienced this, but like, I, I've never felt so close to God in my life, you know, because I realized when everything was taken away and all I had was him, that's all I really needed, you know? Right. Yeah. I actually want to go into this, this ice thing. I want to jump into this because I feel like we could talk a Let's long time about this. Let's talk about this ice thing. I hate ice subversion. Last time I tried it, I... I I chickened out after like 40 seconds, you know, you know, I think we can talk a lot about it, but we, we were chatting on IG about this, but the, the, the relationship between physical and spiritual is so thin in my opinion, you know, mm -hmm. I can't, while I don't like it, I can't deny that there's something spiritual about ice immersion, you know, there's something that triggers something there. Like, how would you articulate that practice, you know, from a spiritual perspective? It's painful for one, right? It's, it causes your mind, like we think of it from more of like a physical standpoint. It's a fight or flight. You, I've seen multiple people go in for the first time. They'll, some will cry and not laughing because they're crying. I'm saying like, it's just the reaction, right? They'll cry, they'll, they'll yell, they'll laugh. But there's emotions coming out that they can no longer hold inside, hmm. right? They don't know how to control those emotions. And I think part of the spiritual aspect is a lot of people don't allow themselves time and space to feel things, to hmm. understand what they're feeling, right? And that's why it's so scary. And I, I just read about a study and it kind of ties into this. I think people had the option of sitting alone, quiet in a room for 15 minutes without anything or buzzing themselves, like zapping their hands for every 15 seconds instead. And most people pick the slight electrocution in their hands because it's a stimulus. And I know that the ice bath is a stimulus too, but it, it makes you feel these emotions, makes you feel these things. And to sit in the chaos, for lack of a better term, I guess, to sit in that pain and breathe through it there's a spiritual sense to it too and i know we can talk about it in sense of there's a lot of spiritual practices that wouldn't they wouldn't attribute it to god they they it's more of this new age type practice um but for me there is i don't know it's a a connection within the pain if that makes sense yeah it makes sense i think like to me, like physical postures are always means to reach God. 
you know, physical postures put us in a physical, emotional, psychological state that prepares us to meet God, but they themselves are not transformative themselves. You know, right. what I mean, what I mean by that is I think my assumption is that when you do your, your submersions, you're probably talking with God, you know, you're kind of connecting with that part of your spirit, you know, whereas someone that doesn't believe in God can do that. And I feel like that ice immersion can open up, if we can understand our, our spirits like muscles or valves, it opens up the valve, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the valve is facing towards God, you know? I think there's like releases in, in a similar way where I feel that people that are non-Christian, when they pray, that valve is opened, you know, but it's not open to the right source per se, right? you know? So I feel like different physical postures or orientations kind of put us in certain physical, emotional, psychological states and prepares us to meet God in a particular way, but they themselves are not kind of the transformations, you know? So, right. but I think there is something... I'll, maybe I'll, <clears throat> you'll encourage me or to do it again, you know, the submersion thing. But I'll be curious to think about how to articulate what happens, you know, in that space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we, so I'm doing a men's retreat. Um, I partnered up on a property in Nelson, British Columbia. It's hey. an eight bed, seven bath. Let's go. Yeah. Yay. I can invite you right now, March 2nd <laughs> to 6th. So what <clears throat> we're going to do, we're going to do daily hikes up the mountain, do devotions together as men. We're going to talk on the top, connect, come back down, have dinner together, have some small groups. And then we're going to rent a mobile sauna with a nice tub and we're going to practice it. We're going to do that as Christian men together. Dude, I love that. Yeah. I would totally do that. I've been thinking about, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm totally into men's ministry as well here. Awesome. Um, and I, I was thinking about crafting a retreat experience because people in my church and my community here desperately need it you know um uh i don't i don't know are we going to jump off to a new topic about men i just like let's do it like, let's do it yeah you start i i see no you could be wrong people could call me sexist i see almost no greater fight than the the fight of the the heart of a man in our in our society today mm. you know and i don't say that like defensively i i say that really passionately you know to me like <clears throat> the ale of our societies to me all draw back to in one shape or form fatherlessness in the home mm. you know you look at any any gang related violence you look at any corruption it's most you look at any you know confusion anxiety a lot of it is related to the lack of a father lack of a good father a present father in the home no knock on moms moms are, are freaking amazing but mm -hmm. anything i i see i interpret the lens of all that's going on in our society through the lens of a spiritual attack on the importance of a godly father in the home you know whether it's the issues of sexuality, whether it's issues of, you know, hating on men or destruct, destroying the, the nuclear family, you know, and behind that, I see, and I see what I see among my peers are a bunch of men that are very confused and tepid 
and uncertain about what it means to be a man in our world today. And raising of boys is way hard because this seems like on any ground they stand on is is bad ground. There's no good, right. you know. So I <clears throat> I feel like if we can solve the issue of having a good godly man, we will, we will solve a lot of marriage problems. We will solve subsequently a lot of family problems, and we will subsequently solve so many societal problems. I'm gonna stop there. I feel like that was a little too action packed. No, that's great. So I don't. I coach men, right? So I, it's not a it's not necessarily a faith based coaching program. Yeah, I coach people on principles, and I call it the True Alpha program. I don't dive too deep a lot of times. Why I call it that? I call it the True Alpha program for one. Because alpha is, I think, a word that has got a certain stigma to it. You think of mm -hmm. an alpha, or I think a lot of lost men, they think of an alpha as someone who is powerful and who is controlling and who mm -hmm. is praised, right? Mm -hmm. Super jacked, successful career, lots of money, all these things that the world says you need. Mm -hmm. That's why I put true alpha in front of it. Love it. Yeah, so true alpha is not that. A true alpha is humble, serving, um, kind. I mean, it would be all essentially the fruits of the spirit, right? And yeah. and leads by starting with the family is, is striving to be self-sacrificial and caring and taking that posture of humility. Absolutely. And that's yeah, and that's that's essentially what <laughs> That's what Christ did, right? He he came and flipped everything upside down of what people thought it should be. And I think that's what it needs to be is, and you, you look at Alpha and you think of wolves, right? Hmm. They're not overbearing. They they are serving. They are, they, they will sacrifice themselves. Wow. So when I say true Alpha, that's what I'm I'm playing on there. It's true it. to who you've been designed to be in Christ, not what the world tells you to be. Because I think when we chase those things, we chase more money, we chase the happy marriage, we chase the perfect looking family, the nicer car, or success, which again, I don't think there's anything wrong with having those things. But if you don't know who you are, if you're not rooted who you are deeply, it's a dangerous thing. Yeah. So good. I love it. So tell me about like people join it, you know, like, how do you catch people? Like, what do you, how do I through? catch them? Yeah. So, and so this is another, like you're talking about doing things that are alignment and not, not getting hooked and pulled away. So right now in the coaching industry, whether you call it fitness coaching, um, life coaching, there's a lot of, fitness coaches out there um which again there needs to be a lot of fitness coaches but the way it's being marketed it's very eye-catching and very about the person and i'm working with a great coach right now and i said i don't want to do that i don't mm -hmm. want to just do that because i know i can get more clients mm -hmm. or because i can know i can have a successful business i want to build a program to help men become resilient consistent and disciplined leaders Wow. in all areas of their life. So how I bring them through this is 
it's a nine month program. The first three months, we're building the foundation. We're saying, what is truly important to you outside of all these material things in the world? What, why is this important to you? What are your core values? What are your priorities? What's your vision? What's your mission? Yeah. And then let's start looking at how we can impact rather than how we can get from the world. Yeah. How can we add value? And like I said, someone doesn't have to be a Christian to go through my program. Um, I think there's some common grace in that, that people can still make a great impact on the world around them, but there will still be that missing piece spiritually mm. without Christ, right? So you can still create great leaders that aren't believers, in my opinion. Um, but there will still be miss something missing in them. So then we bring them through that. And we bring them through that kind of, it's kind of like a refinement process of saying you want this, but you truly want something deeper, right? Yeah. So good. I love Thanks, it, brother. dude. Thank you. I, I knew I liked you. I didn't know I like loved what you did. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> I feel I like appreciate. we have so many common desires to see like good men raised up. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's, and I'll be honest, it, even naming it true alpha i told my wife julissa i was nervous to do that because even saying words like alpha out there you can get attacked right because whatever toxic masculinity whatever else is out there there's so much confusion like you said yeah and if i think that and i feel like i'm a pretty grounded person i can't imagine what some young man how much they're struggling i love it how long have you been doing this for I've been coaching for this type of thing for three years. Um, I really got my vision for it, like really focused and honed in the past six months, honestly. What has focused or what has honed in? I, I, yeah, that's a really good question. So I was advertising it as the external things prior. So what I mean by that is increase fitness, right? So get a jack body or get a profitable business or happy marriage, which again, all the power to someone if they want to take care of everything and they don't get lost in the pursuit. Yeah. But now I'm honed in on the person because if someone becomes a disciplined and consistent person, disciplined leader, the byproduct will most likely be these things, right? So focusing on the person instead of the outcome. And yeah. I think that's, there's a lot more meaning in that because most of life's the journey and not the destination, right? Yeah. So good. I love it. And well, yeah. So yeah, I appreciate that. What are you, so you said you're working on things around you for men and you're passionate about that. What, what's your hope in that? What would you like to see in that area of life? Oh, a lot, you know, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I want to see thriving families. I want to see thriving the next generation of kids to thrive. And I know that the centerpiece in making that happen are healthy, healthy man, healthy woman, you know, um, this past summer was really cool. I led like a group, maybe like eight to 12 guys. And we met through the summer and we just talked, um, every, every, I think two weeks, just about the topic of what it means to be a spiritual leader in the home, you know, which is a, I feel like, at least in my, in my 
network of people. People understand that that's like their calling as a head of household, but they don't know how to actually bring it to to bear, you know, mm-hmm. in the terms of the practical things. So we talked, we went through a book, which is a really great book. I love Habits of the Household by Justin Early. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. Great book, you know, talks about household liturgies that we can do um, as a family to point us to God, you know. And we just use that as a conversation piece uh, about, you know, habits that we can form, you know, because I feel like the, the challenge with men leading is we get stuck in ideals, um, but we really don't have like handles to put things on. And for me, this is why practices are so great because they're like actual handles. You know, the thing about practices is, are that you do the practice and then you reverse engineer and you understand the power behind it versus I find in my church culture growing up we just talk all these ideals and they get there's no handles on how to actually do it so i find that if we started with the practices themselves like practice of communion practice of conversations over meals practice of prayers in the morning with your with your family prayers at bedtime stuff like that then we can discover what it means to lead you know because they give these men at least for me, like just make things way more simple and practices themselves are very profound, you know, and if you can find some, a way to articulate why it's powerful, then it just becomes this very, very uh, actionable and formative thing. And so we had men that started leading conversations at the dinner time, you know, versus I think I struggle with this. Men are just kind of quiet during dinner or lunchtime, you know, but instead now they're leading highs and lows, you know, they're leading they're just leading their family in the conversation of God. You know, they're doing morning and bedtime blessings. You know, just like things to actually give them handles in terms of how do I lead my family well. And my lead, to your point, it's not control. It's pointing and serving so that my family is pointed towards God. You know, so mm-hmm. that was a really great experience. Um, had some really good feedback. Uh, some some people was really transformative, eye-opening, you know. Um, so it was it was really great. And I love that. Yeah. And it's, it needs to be tangible for a lot of people, right? Like we, we, a lot of times we want to know the outcome before we start the practice, but sometimes we have to start the practice before we know what's going to happen. And I think probably in, for many Christians, they hesitate to create practices in their life or do, um, Sabbath or to do more in devotions because they don't want to become legalistic and unemotional. But I've actually found for myself, the opposite. Like, it's not like I have to do it, but now that I have this in my life, it's a part of my day, right? And yeah. we're working towards practicing Sabbath every single Saturday and we want to get in that direction. So good. Yeah. I, I, I grew up similar to you where legalism was like the, the enemy of everything, you know, and I feel like as a result of that, we neglected liturgical stuff, you know, I feel like stuff only gets bad when we divorce the why from the what, right? You know, I think the moment we divorce the why from the what, you know, is the moment things become quote unquote legalistic, you know, but if we can have understanding around the why, you know, um, practices then are malleable, they're flexible, they're plastic, you know, Mm -hmm. The, the, the practices themselves are not the ends. They're the means to something else. And, and the why is the, kind of the the arrow that shoots, you know? So I've, I've been discovering 
the power of practices. I mean, hence why I wrote the book, you know, because I'm realizing right. that, yeah, without practices, without rhythms, without habits, I'm, I'm kind of a mess of a person, you know, without it, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's what you, you asked what my program is. And it's essentially what I do. I help people create rhythms and practices and deposits so good in their life. So deposits are what I see as how are you investing your time, money, and energy? What, what's automatic in your life? Right? What's something that when you don't do it, it feels off or it feels weird. So for a lot of people, it's an addiction, right? Mm. It's something they reach to. Or it's, a, it's a natural way they respond to things. But what if you could make it so the good is the automatic, the good mm. deposits, the good practices, right? <clears throat> so what if, what if it felt weird not to do prayer and devotion in the morning? What if it's something that's so integral to you that it's important, right? Where similar to people who would sit churn on their same favorite show each and every night. And I'm not against watching TV. I love The Office and we watch a lot of different shows. But making these fruitful practices automatic in your life is so beneficial. And you start to see the benefits with time and consistency, right? And that's, that's what I'm hoping to do with men in my program. And I do work with ladies too, but that they're becoming a type of person that isn't focused on the outcome they want or the byproduct, but they're focused on who they are in these things. Mm. Right? So who they are in the family, who they are in the business, and it's consistent throughout. So that if you do have you do have the ability to have lots, whatever that might be. You know that it's not going to change you because money is, there's no intrinsic value to money. It's what you make it, right? So it's just mm. going to make you more of what you already are. It's going to amplify you or power, whatever else it is. Mm. So good. I like it. I think we're going to have to do multiple podcasts, Phil. I feel, I feel like we could talk a lot about the different things, whether it's spiritual habits, submersion, men's stuff, you know, yeah. staying rooted. Um, yeah. I like it. Yeah, this has been good. Is there anything else you want to dive into um, today? Because we, we've hit a lot of different topics. But I think that's, like you mentioned before, there's a thin line between physical and spiritual. And I think there's a thin line. And that's why I call this podcast Lifestyle Engineer Podcast. Mm because it all ties together mental, physical, relational, spiritual, and professional. And you're in the middle, but Christ is in the middle middle, right? So yeah, yeah. you are the common denominator between all these different aspects of your life. Absolutely. I'm with it. I don't know. I feel like we did talk about it a lot right now. I'm just kind of fanning your life now, Matt. I love <laughs> So is this, is this a hook to me though? Like, I'll have to make sure I don't get, let my head get too big because you said you're a fan of me. I'm a, I'm a fan of you as well, Phil. And I really, I think this is so important and just how steadfast you are in your mission in this and helping Christians thrive in today's world and redefining what that word thrive means. So it's not about having more material. It's about that spiritual aspect of thriving. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I think the most 
<clears throat> like the most important exercise we can do is really view our lives through the lens of the end of our life, you know? And I think so much wisdom is gained from that. And you and I know that when we, when that day comes, whenever that day comes, a lot of the stuff that we chase would be really meaningless, you know, you know, and so hence why the faithfulness, you know, is such a central, such an important anchor point, you know, whether whatever influence we get, whatever money we get, whatever power we get, I really want to just be faithful with that and, and do God's work and here before I die, you know, because yeah. money, power, influence, to your point, here today, gone tomorrow, don't matter. But at the end of the mental life, all I have is what I said I would do for you, God, and with the things that you, you assigned me to do, you know, so... Yeah, I love I'm a that. fan of your life because I really want you to succeed, Matt. And I appreciate it, Phil. Yeah, and I know the the the, the thrills and the dangers of increasing influence. You know, so yeah, and that's why I like to surround myself with people like yourself who are steadfast, solid men of faith and can keep me rooted. Because that was one of the first questions you asked me is. Like you congratulated me on this new influence and people, more people following me, but how do I feel about this? What does this mean to me? Um, that's important. And I think that's something else that's missing in a lot of relationships these days. Um, and I can speak to it because more in men, guys relationships, there's not a lot of accountability and honest truth giving, right? Yeah. Um, holding each other accountable because I'm a lot less nervous when I have people like my yourself surrounding me. Right. Because if you see me going in a different direction, you can question me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, accountability comes when we recognize we're on the same, on the same team, yep. you know, and, and your success makes me successful, not success in a world sense, you know, but like Matt finishing the race that Jesus started is, is, is success for me, you know, and that's men don't have accountability more often because they, they don't have that vision, you know. So that's a that's a whole topic in itself, you know. I love this. Well, Phil, this has been so good. Um, so for people listening, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. This is Phil Chan. My website, philipchan.org. Uh, you hit the newsletter. Um, but yeah, Matt's an amazing dude. If you're getting coaching from him, consider yourself extremely lucky he's a great guy thanks phil i appreciate it make sure you guys get the rhythms of resilience book it's on amazon um i did just start reading it is holidays so i i'll be honest i'm gonna be honest with something i'm not a book reader but i'm excited to read this and really that's surprising because all these books so <laughs> whenever i get a new book julissa rolls her eyes at me and says matt we don't need more books and have you finished any of these books i struggle because so I'm probably going to struggle with yours too, because when I find something actionable, I'm like, it overwhelms me. Like I want to take action on every single thing so that I, I never really finish anything. I understood. Yeah. Well, good luck. There's a lot of actions. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. If it takes me a year, I think that's okay. If, I, if there's any consolation, I heard it's a very fast read. Okay. I love it. No, I'm yeah. really, really excited. Thanks again, Phil. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks, brother.